What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. I'm your host, Matthias Wadner, along with my co-host, Will Lomas. We were hoping to be joined by our former co-host, uh, Luke Worsham. He did want to be on with us, but he couldn't do it uh, tonight, which is Tuesday night, right after. Uh, well, we'll talk about it in a second. Uh, but he couldn't do it tonight, unfortunately. But hopefully we will get him on for uh, for a future episode or maybe a mini episode uh, this week because he is he's itching itching to get on here uh, and debate with us mostly with Will uh, but probably with me too um, yeah so I'm trying to like collect my thoughts because this has been this has been kind of a crazy day um, I thought we were going to come on here today and, and talk about the Titans getting absolutely demolished by the Philadelphia Eagles talk about the Titans being uh a not good team uh, and AJ Brown finally getting his revenge. Instead, we have a complete bombshell dropped on us in the middle of the day. Uh, I don't think anyone saw this coming. John Robinson, the Titans GM gets fired as you all know by now uh, by the team, even though he was extended uh, for many years. Uh, I think it was a five-year extension back in February, along with Mike Rabel. Uh, so everything seemed copacetic back then. Then, of course, the A.J. Brown trade happens, uh, and it seemed like maybe that that could have been the breaking point here. But, I mean, this is this is crazy. I, I'm going to read Amy Adams-Strunk's statement, and, and then we can kind of talk go more in-depth on it. So she put this out. She says, since becoming controlling owner in 2015, my goal has been to raise the standard for what is expected in all facets of our organization. I believe we have made significant progress both on and off the field through investments in leadership, personnel, and new ideas. This progress includes the core of our business, the football team itself, which is regularly evaluated both by results, wins and losses, and team construction slash roster building. I am proud of what we have accomplished in my eight seasons of ownership, but I believe there is more to be done and higher aspirations to be met. I want to thank John for his dedicated work to set this organization on an upward trajectory, and I wish him and his family the best. So, Will, uh, I guess, what are your feelings? Because you, you've been a pretty big uh, John Robinson supporter, so have I, but I think you have been more so than pretty much anyone uh, at this point uh, in the Titans fan base. What are your feelings? Uh, what was your immediate reaction? And and what do you think of all this? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's it's disappointing for me because I I think I think there are legitimate reasons to have questions with John Robinson, and there are legitimate misses. The problem is that I don't think the product on the field is the one is one that he I don't think it's what he does wanted the team to be when he drafted the players he drafted like he drafted uh, just just to kind of go into it. Like he drafted Dylan Radins with the idea that the Titans were going to continue to be the same Arthur Smith offense, because when Todd Downing was hired by Mike Vrabel, the idea was 
the whole thing was continuity. It was you can bring a guy up, you elevate from within, and you run the same offense. They didn't run the same offense, which means that Raidens was kind of in no man's land. And, you know, whether he would have been an immediate starter at right tackle, which, I mean, Vrabel started Questenberry there. And again, you know, Vrabel is, is a guy who is very loyal to the people he likes and to people who have had struggles in their life and struggles in their football career and people he believes have quote unquote like earned their spot. And Questenberry was, I believe, an undrafted uh, free agent, you know, had uh, I think he had cancer that he dealt with, either leukemia or something like that. And he had overcome that and played and he had a really good story, but he wasn't a good football player. And whenever you looked at Lawan when he was healthy or whenever you saw Raiden step in, it was clear that Questenberry wasn't the, the guy who should be starting. But the problem with that is it, it sort of cuts both ways because every coach can make every draft pick look like a bust. All you have to do is not play him. And for all the times that Mike Vrabel has said, you know, we want to put uh, daily out there because the more reps he gets, the more experience he gets and he needs to work on those things. Well, that that only holds true with the people who are doing a really bad job who Mike Vrabel wants to defend. You know, it wasn't the case with Caleb Farley. It wasn't the case with Dylan Radins. You know, that he's picked and choose he's picked and chosen, I guess, where he wants that to be applied and where he doesn't. And that's that's very aggravating. And I think that I think that there was the 2020 offseason, which really set him back in the eyes of a lot of fans because, uh, he, you know, with COVID, which, by the way, there weren't a lot of teams who knocked it out of the park in the 2020 offseason. The problem is Titans fans had big expectations because the idea was, OK, you know, what are they going to do to take this team from AFC champ or AFC champion contender to the next level? And then, you know, that was the Vic Beasley, like Isaiah Wilson, um, all like all that. It was that whole year. And the product on the field didn't suffer too much because Arthur Smith was there calling his offense and doing, doing things well. And it sort of masked the fact that the Titans were one of the worst defenses in the NFL because Mike Vrabel was the defensive coordinator. You know, he was calling the defensive plays and that's why they didn't name a defensive coordinator. Then at the end of the year, you know, he said, well, you know, it Shane's the defensive coordinator and I'm going to step out his way. And we are both doing a little bit of play calling and all basically, you know, dance around the fact that for the second time in his career, he's only called plays on the defense twice. Once was in Houston where they were 32nd in DVOA defense and just outright bad. And then it was 2020 when they had the worst, historically the worst third down defense in NFL history. And it was, you know, and it, it was one of those things where we don't talk about it like this now, but Vrabel stood on the on the table for Jadavian Clowney, and that was terrible. It didn't work out at all. He had no interest in putting forth any effort. But the blowback goes on the guy who makes the hire, not the guy who stands up for the guy. And, you know, I guess that's somewhat fair because, you know, I guess you, you expect Robinson to kind of see through that and say no. But, you know, anyway, so that happens. And it sort of stacks on this idea of when the moves go wrong or when a player doesn't develop, it, it always gets blown back on the GM and not the coach. And it's sort of the reverse of what happened in Indianapolis where Chris Ballard got all the credit for the players and Frank Reich to call the blame. So that that's sort of what's happening in Tennessee is because Mike Vrabel won coach of the year, because they were historically the worst, you know, the, the most injured team in NFL history, and they got the one seed. Everybody says, well, he must be a really good coach. And I, I think there, and I've, I've, this is not some new revelation. I've, I've thought that Mike Vrabel was overhyped back when I called that he was going to win coach of the year if they won the Rams game uh, after Derrick Henry got hurt. Like, this is something I, I've thought for a long time. I think he's a good sort of CEO manager. I think when 
the more his fingerprints are on the team, the worse you're going to be. Um, just from a schematic and style standpoint, because he wants the team to be what we've seen the last two years. You know, he wants less passing. He wants, it doesn't matter if Derrick Henry's in or if he's out, you know, if it's Hilliard and Foreman, whoever it is, he wants a run heavy offensive script. You know, he, he's a huge fan of Todd Downing running it on first downs, no, no matter what, what he says, any of that stuff, if he wanted it changed, it would have been changed by now, you know, so that, you know, he endorses everything Todd Downing does. And the fact that he kept Todd Downing on the roster or on the coaching staff was his decision. The fact that he didn't make any train uh, changes to the training staff or the strength and conditioning staff was his decision. But once again, the Titans are one of the most injured teams in the NFL. I believe they played 76, maybe 78 players at this point that have gotten a snap, not just have been active, but have gotten a snap on the field uh, in football games, which I believe leads the league. It, it's either first or second. And on offense, they've spiraled even um, spiral might be the wrong way to say it. They've nosedived even further away from what they were last year with the battered team that they had. And right now they're on pace to score fewer points than they've scored since 2015. And that was the Ken Wisenhunt year where he got fired. So I think it was that it was either that year or the year before he got fired. Either way, it's, it's very frustrating because Fan, you know, a lot of fans listening to this are probably excited. You, you know, the rumor is that well, it's not not really a rumor. It's you know, I think common sense will tell you that Mike Vrabel is going to have more power because he's going to have a big hand in who gets picked to be the next GM. You know, and he's going to sort of be in pole position for every decision on the roster. And you know, That's terrible. It, it's That's absolutely yeah, it's, terrible. Like, it's never worked they, for any. Has that ever worked? It doesn't work with no. the Patriots and Bill Belichick. It hasn't worked in like a decade for him. Yeah. And like, let's be honest, like Mike Vrabel is not a great personnel evaluator. He he has never been. It happened when he was a defensive coordinator with the Texans. He played bad players. He had a really bad scheme, uh, worked terribly, but whatever. And a lot of the players that he has on this team that are not talented are getting the most playing time. Like, he's not very good at that, and it, it makes me generally, genuinely concerned about the, the future of the team if he's going to have even more power than he already does. Like, look, I, I'm this is not a, a, a Mike Vrabel hate podcast. I, I gen, generally like Mike Vrabel. I think he's a good coach. I think people take it a step way too far in terms of praising him. People act like he's like the second coming of Jesus at coach when all he's done is what's he done? Like he's gotten to the Titans to the playoffs, but that's with help from the GM. Like they've gen they have a good talented roster and the Titans were going nine and seven before even Vrabel got here. They, they got to the playoffs without Vrabel. They got here with Malarkey. Vrabel comes in the first two. Uh, the first two seasons with them, they both go nine and seven. Yeah, they make it to the AFC Championship game on the back of a historic Derrick Henry run. Uh, and then since then, it, it, it's been failures in the playoffs. And I understand pointing the blame, some of it, to the GM because I agree he hasn't done a fantastic job of getting depth at key positions, particularly at receiver. I think that's been uh, the biggest issue. But I also don't think it's his, it's his fault that all the receivers always get injured. Like some of that, some of that blame has to be spread around. It can't be all on on John Robinson. I know we've talked about that a lot this season, but I just don't think that's fair. I think Vrabel does. I don't think he maximizes his talent. I think he he I think he maximizes the talent of lower echelon players. But when he has players with actual talent, with high draft pedigree, he has not been able to develop almost any of them. I like I, it, maybe Simmons, I guess. Uh, but I mean, Simmons is, was a freak to begin with. So I don't really know if, if you could count that one. Uh, so I don't know, man. Like this is this is all really weird to me. And I, I'm 
I'm confused by just the general hate that I've seen towards John Robinson and the praise I've seen towards Mike Vrabel uh, today uh, in in the analysis of the John Robinson firing. And people are really making it out to be like everything that has gone right with the Titans has been all due to Mike Vrabel. And I think that's completely short-sighted. I think they both had a lot to do with it, and they both had a really good working relationship. Uh, and it just ended up coming ahead, and they, they ended up choosing Mike Rabel uh, over a GM who has been one of the better GMs in the NFL for uh, since he's since he's taken the role. I mean, this team was this team was three and thirteen uh, when John Robinson came in. He turned them into a consistent winning machine. And yeah, uh, a lot of his moves ha- have have kind of hampered them from taking the next step. But I think it goes hand in hand with a lot of the coaching staff uh, decisions and, and the lack of uh, the lack of development for a lot of players. So I, I don't know, man, like th- this is this is a weird position that I'm in. Like, I feel weird. <laughs> I, I don't feel good. This doesn't feel good. I, I feel like John Robinson has kind of gotten scapegoated a little bit. I don't think. I don't think his decisions have warranted a firing. That, that that's 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 my general uh, feeling at the end of the day. Yeah, he had a couple of very bad drafts. I think 2020 and 2021 were were pretty bad, uh, and the AJ Brown trade seems to be the thing that that pushed that pushed Amy Adams Strunk over the top and Mike Vrabel as well. But until we get the details, because it it really seems like we don't have the entire clear picture about what happened with A.J. Brown. From everything that we've heard, A.J. Brown just stopped talking to the Titans. How are you supposed to pay a a player that simply doesn't talk to you and does not communicate with you? How do you know he's going to come up and and come in and show up to work? Like, I I don't. So that part is weird to me. uh, And it's frustrating because it felt like this draft class, John Robinson finally got back to his best. This has been one of his better draft classes, and I think they have a bunch of starters, who all, a bunch of rookies who are already starting, uh, and they're going to continue to start for the next couple of years. So uh, it's kind of frustrating that he has to, he can't like see his uh, his draft pick, draft picks developing come to fruition. But yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I, I'm not trying to carry John Robinson's water, but I'm also annoyed by the fact that everyone is carrying. Mike Rabel's water, even a lot of the Titans media members, and I find it to be uh, a little disconcerting. Yeah, and the, the AJ Brown stuff, we've talked about it a lot, and you know it's been discussed ad nauseum. Like at this point, you believe what you want to believe. If you're a Titans fan who doesn't want to think that AJ Brown didn't want to be here, you're gonna if it hurts your feelings too much to imagine that he wanted to play with his best friend and that was the whole motivation behind all that. Okay. I mean, I like there's nothing either one of us can say to convince you. All I would say is, you know, look at Devonte Adams, right? Like it's the same exact thing that happened in green Bay where he wanted to play with his college quarterback. He loves Derek Carr. You know, the money was a small part of it, but you know, at a certain point, relationships just run out of steam and you know we saw aj brown on sunday like go up and hug ryan Tannehill, and like you know he was he was friendly with rabel and friendly with robinson and all that that's because i know he said that it he it was you know he wanted to like show out and all that kind of stuff i think that's mostly nonsense i mean I've, i think that's mostly towards the fans who reacted negatively when he got traded and whether it's true or not, like the whole like, oh, they sent me death threats, all that kind of thing. I don't know. I mean, fan, fans can be crazy. So I, maybe that happened. I I don't you know, it doesn't sound true to me, but, you know, I can see him wanting to stick it to those guys. But I mean, that the animosity, like, I, I don't I don't think he has it towards the people that drafted him, coached him or traded him. Like, I think they did. all. I think they did what he wanted them to do. And, he, you know, like I said, big hug with Ryan Tannehill. Like he's always been like friendly and complimentary around Tannehill. It's not that it's just sometimes you just want to play with your best friend. Like, like I said, it's it's what happened with green Bay and the Raiders. And sometimes it works because, you know, AJ's doing great in Philadelphia, but you know, 
Devontae's doing great in Las Vegas, and that doesn't necessarily mean they're a complete team. So, I don't know. Like, Tyreek got traded. Like, you know, we're in a league now where even though people don't want to admit it, receivers get traded all the time. It's just, you know, from Stephon Diggs to it's just it's just part of it now. Like, it's the easiest, you know, high-value position to trade because it, it instantly, you know, it's easier to sell tickets with a new wide receiver's face than a new offensive tackle. And if you've got a good quarterback, it's really hard to, you know, to get those moved. And if you've got a good pass rusher, it's really hard to get those guys moved. So that's just, that just sort of is what it is. But I I, I don't know. It's very, it's frustrating because I'll say this, like, you know, we, we can say this is a conspiracy theory or whatever. I'm not, I'm not saying I subscribe to this, but Everybody out there at this point has seen the Philadelphia fans like flipping off the owner's box and all that. To me, it looks like an incredibly weak move by Amy Adams Strunk to say she got laughed at when they went to Philadelphia. And instead of being mad that the coach who didn't say, well, we have an all pro safety. Why don't we send him to just stand directly over the top of AJ Brown and let Trey Avery or Christian Fulton or Roger McCreary play underneath and just be physical. Like instead of that being the game plan, the game plan was let's play 10 yards off and, you know, let AJ kind of do whatever he wants. So you think it was a coordinated effort? (laughs) Well, I I will say it. And I I talked about this during the game. It was the first time it it was the first time all season where they had man coverage where a a corner was following a wide receiver. And at the beginning, it was Fulton. And that's fine. Fulton, you know, Fulton did okay. Like he should that even Mike Vrabel at this point, who never criticizes officials publicly, has said that the defender is supposed to have right to that space. But offensive pass interference is just never going to get called. So. On that, on the long touchdown, which AJ Brown didn't even think it was a touchdown, or else he would have celebrated again. I, he thought it was going to be OPI. Everybody thought it was going to be OPI. It was it was DPI for some reason, and it went up as a touchdown. You know, without that sixty yard gain, this is or fifty or whatever yard gain. This is just another sixty yard performance from AJ Brown, which is what he's had at best over the last month. It was just that one play that really changed the way the stat line looks, and then. Everybody lost their mind and all that. And and I get it. Like, it's a great story. And if you don't watch the Titans, it's what you're going to lead off every story about that game with because you don't understand the machinations and what went on behind the scenes. All you know is, oh, this small franchise I don't really look into traded one of their best players. And isn't that weird? They must have not wanted to pay him. And so also that whole game the the perception of that game goes differently if Traylon Burks isn't concussed in the end zone when he gets his first touchdown catch. You know, if he's healthy and he catches another touchdown, which I don't know why he wouldn't have. He he was getting open pretty regularly versus their coverage, and Tannehill's been finding him more and more. It, it looked very much like he was going to be a big factor in that game. You know, if he catches two touchdowns and it's 88 yards and two touchdowns for Traylon Burks and 110 yards and two touchdowns for AJ Brown. Nobody, everybody's saying, wow, this is another Stefan Diggs, Justin Jefferson trade. But because there was a dirty hit that didn't get, you know, properly enforced, you know, here we are. So I say, I bring all that up to say, I think there's a dozen different ways that that game could have gone and John Robinson still has a job. I think that the theory or conspiracy theory, whatever that Amy Adams drunk had her feelings hurt and felt embarrassed because Philadelphia fans are mean. And she put herself in the middle of that situation. I think she didn't understand what she was going into. And when it turned into the game where Philadelphia said, we're just going to target AJ Brown as much as we can, like that reverse, like double pass thing that was supposed to be an AJ Brown target, but it was covered up. Like they they tried to force the ball to AJ Brown as much as they possibly could, and uh, you know because it turned into that, she got so upset that she fired John Robinson, and it, it sucks because you know we're gonna find out what the what the repercussions of that are. But I mean, you have a GM who's never had a losing season who 
probably put together one of his top three or four draft classes with this draft class because Chig looks great. McCreary's a starter. Uh, Burks looks great when he's not being concussed by the other team. Uh, Nicholas Petit Frere is a, a starter. You got Malik Willis, who's a backup, which, you know, you knew he was a project and whether he gets developed or not, everybody agreed it was worth a roll of the dice. Like, you know, Kyle Phillips, whenever he's healthy, whenever the training staff has finally done screwing him up, then he'll be back out there again. And he looked electric in the preseason and training camp. And then in the first game, but like I said, then he got hurt. Like, and then you have Stonehouse too. And Trey Avery, who looks good. So we'll, we'll find out, I guess, but you're, you're really rolling the dice because I don't think there's, when you look at a, on a, long-term scale of GMs who've been there for more than three years, I don't think there's a better model of sustained success than what John Robinson has put forward and people who act like, well, they got complacent. We're a year removed from them trading for Julio Jones, a move that everybody and their mother screamed about what a great move it was. It's such a good move that when Julio signed with Tampa Bay this preseason, everybody was so excited because they thought it was going to work again. I, and, you know, so it's like it, it, for for everybody saying that, oh, I can't, you know, they really shouldn't have traded that second because it really hampered them. It it didn't really. And also it was a move that at the time everybody was in love with and nobody wanted to pay Corey Davis to stay. And now that Corey Davis is gone and not I mean, Corey Davis didn't blown anybody away, but he got a lot of money. And every now and then he'll be on a Jets highlight and everybody say, wow. Imagine if the Titans still had that guy. And I love Corey Davis, but you know, he like he's not worth the money he got. And the only reason he got that money is because they had a rookie quarterback and they were going to spend first round picks and he was going to basically be a value when you look at the, the rookie contracts that the other receivers around him got. So I don't think it was a bad signing by the Jets, but the point is every team isn't in the same place. If you're a bad team, you can spend more. You know, if you're the Browns you can spend a bunch of money to hire or to sign uh, Jack Conklin, even rolling the dice on his injury risk, because you're going to draft Jedrick Wills in the first round. And it, if one of those guys hits, your offensive line is much better than it was the year before. So it's just, it's a lot of people cherry picking the things that they want to remember without remembering the context or saying, well, it, you're not, it, Maybe it wouldn't have happened this way, but imagine if the Titans would have drafted Jalen Hurts. It's like the Titans were never in a position to draft Jalen Hurts. If they drafted Jalen Hurts, he would be terrible in Tennessee because they don't have an offense. Like he was bad his first two years in or uh, first year or two in Philadelphia. So uh, you know, thinking that the Titans coaching staff, who hasn't really developed anybody, or the Titans training staff, who medically cleared Caleb Farley coming out. You know, to expect that group to be able to get it right and develop and maintain that type of player, it's it's insane. So I, I don't know. It, it's hard because this is one of those situations where the Titans fan in me wants to be wrong. I want Mike Vrabel to not be the worst defensive coach that has ever had two seasons as a defensive coordinator, but he probably is. I want him to be able to be Bill Belichick and, you know, once once he finds his quarterback, he can take his shots and maybe he'll find guys that he likes and they'll overdraft him, but it'll be okay because, you know, he coaches them up and all that and he'll be able to build a culture that wins, blah, 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 blah. But I don't think they will. And I think Mike Vrabel already thinks he knows too much about football because the whole he's in every meeting room so he understands everything. Okay. They've started Jeff Swain for the last 12 or last, yeah, 12 games. That's a coach who doesn't understand what he's talking about. You know, he does not understand. They've started Dennis Daly for the last, let's see, every game but Buffalo. So the last 10 games without giving anybody a chance at that left tackle spot. No, but it, yeah, no, but John Robinson didn't give uh, Mike Vrabel an option at tackle. It's not like he drafted one in the second round uh, a year ago. Yeah, uh, I mean. yeah, it's it's unfortunate that for some reason the career left tackle who subbed in at left tackle as a, as a rookie with the Titans for some reason forgot how to play left tackle and couldn't play it worse than or couldn't play it better than the worst left tackle in the NFL. 
like it's it's all like and you're like you're gonna listen to this and you're either gonna agree with us because oh no i don't think anyone's gonna agree with us to be oh no i think i think there's several smart people like i think there's several smart people out there who will listen to what we're saying and they'll like i don't think we're gonna change anybody's mind but i think that there's gonna be i think the easy cheap heat will be to say it's good that john robinson got fired because the you know the titans were a team that got to the playoffs and lost and they weren't getting any further and this is Amy Adams Strunk showing that she doesn't accept mediocrity. And I think that's sort of a trash take. I think that's a take where you're saying this is the move that happened. So we're going to use him as a fall guy. And we're going to say that was, you know, no matter what you say, Amy Adams Strunk identified John Robinson as a guy. That's not what happened. Mike Vrabel went in her office with the athletic article that said, I may go back to Ohio State. And he said, you know, I may have to reconsider this. You know, we're, we're at a crossroads here and he's going to trademark that dumb phrase. And, it, you know, it, he went in and said, look, like, I don't know, like it would be enticing to go back and basically like leveraged his his way, you know, into the situation we're in now. And, you know, fair play, like 50 to 80 percent of the NFL is just about politics. Like Joe Judge almost got a job or almost kept his job last year with the Giants. And if not for unbelievable heat uh, on him, he would have kept his job and they wouldn't have lucked into the situation they're in now. So, you know, it's it's all about politicking and playing the game and all that long enough until you can do something to where you can point to and say, look, we improved there. And, you know, I mean, we're about to find out because the so let let. I don't know if you have a separate topic that you want to talk about, but I want to talk about now the ramifications of this. Like who, who are the winners and who are the losers from this? Because I think the immediate winners from this are anybody who's set to be a free agent this year for the Titans. Because if your name isn't something that's been pop that's popped up on Twitter, every time the Titans lose like Dennis Daly or Jeff Swaim or like, you know, those types of guys, then you're safe. And if you're a free agent, the first thing Mike Vrabel is going to do, for better or worse, is he's going to throw money at you. Nate Davis is going to get a new contract. Well, I, I guess I should say if he likes you. I, we don't know the players he likes, but we're about to find out because he's about to overpay for Jeffrey Simmons, which, great. You you know, he's awesome. Like like with A.J. Brown, I whatever whatever mon- whatever dollar sign they come to the table with, I'm okay with because I, I like having blue chip players. But you know they're, they're definitely going to pay top of the market because everybody knows that you can't say, well, it was John Robinson that really forced the trade of A.J. Brown, even though we know that's not true. But you can't come out and say that and use that as the reason why you got your GM fired and then not keep your other guys. So. They're going to get deals, and it's going to be, you know, Taylor one cut. But anybody who's been on the injured reserve list and Mike Vrabel, you know, might not like them as much as they think they do. They're going to get cut, and it's going to be so weird. And I, I, I've I tweeted this, but if you don't follow me on Twitter, then something I think is really interesting and a little bit terrifying is what happens at quarterback next year. Um, because I think there's a non-zero chance that Tom Brady realizes that he's sort of screwed up the Tampa Bay organization by having Todd Bowles as the head coach. He dips out of there and says, you know, I want to give it one more run. And Mike Vrabel says, great, come here. We'll trade, we'll trade Tannehill to Atlanta who would, he would kill it there, but, um, we'll trade him to Atlanta. We'll get you know, a second round pick, get his contract off the books or whatever they get from him. Because if Carson Wentz gets traded for two threes or if Matt Ryan gets traded for a two, you know, uh, Tannehill can be traded for a top 50 pick just because he's, he's, if nothing else, he's brutally efficient. He's tough and he knows how to run, you know, most every system out there that you, that that's popular nowadays. So that deal gets done they bring in Tom Brady, who looks looks pretty rough. Uh, I mean, looks like he's afraid to get touched. And I get it. He's going to be 46 if he comes here next year. But, you know, okay, cool. Like, bring Tom Brady in for a year. He gets the Matt Hasselbeck treatment where, you know, Mike Vrabel gets to say, 
see, look, un- under my regime, we're going to really go out and try to try to get, you know, these real high quality players. He'll be trash. It'll get blamed with somebody else. Somebody else will get scapegoated. And then they'll be in a position where uh, they've run out of really, you know, career peak years for players like Taylor one, who I don't think will still be on the roster, but Ben Jones, who I think will still be on the roster if he can still play. Um, Derek Henry will be in a tough spot. Robert Woods, Mike Vrabel loves Robert Woods, so I I don't know if they can get a new deal done or whatever, but he loves Robert Woods. So, I mean, these kind of guys, and then you're going to say, okay, we handed you the keys to the franchise. Now show us the young players you can draft. And it's just seven guys from Ohio State and, and you know, and somebody from like Pitt. So I'm I'm very nervous about what what happens when these dominoes start to fall. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe our fears are, are misplaced and, you know, variable doesn't come into power like he's, you know, a Sith Lord or something. And they actually hire a normal GM or they promote Ryan Cowden or Austin Fort uh, to that position full time. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it, it <laughs> scary times, honestly, because we don't know what's going to happen. Like, yeah, the Titans are probably going to continue winning games for the most part because the roster is still in a decent place. Mike Rabel is a decent coach, uh, and Ryan Tannehill is a decent quarterback. But it's, um, yeah, everyone thinks it's all going to get better and we're going to start – drafting home runs with every single pick it doesn't work that way man like i don't know what type of utopia some of you think that that uh that that hiring a new gm is but it doesn't work out that way look at chris ballard with the colts like they want to run him out of town uh a couple of years after they thought he was the best uh gm in history uh and you go around the nfl how many good gms are there there's like seven at most, maybe five, and it's it's scary, man. Like I I, I know John Robinson had a lot of uh, had a lot of misses, but he had a good track record, man. Like even Mike Renner from PFF, who's actually I know we we hate PFF, but he's one of the smarter uh, football guys out there. His first reaction was Robinson's draft track record is one of the best in the NFL. And then he goes on to name how many quality starters he drafted. Jack Conklin, Henry, Byer, Davis, Adoree, Johnu, Landry Simmons, A.J. Brown, Nate Davis, Amani Hooker, David Long, Christian Fulton. Um, and that's not even counting some of the depth pieces that he's drafted. Like, yeah, or he's this, had Or misses. the guys this year. Yeah, like, he's he's had misses. Absolutely. Everyone has misses. Even, uh, what was it, Ozzie Newsome with uh, the Ravens, he had a couple misses too. But guess what? He had a s- s- consistent, sustained, good draft track record, and it's why the Ravens were in contention for so long, even though they weren't winning Super Bowls. Uh, what, they won the one with Flacco, uh, and that was it. They haven't been able to, to win one since then. And the Titans were on that same, same path. They were on the same Baltimore Ravens sustained success type type of path and a lot of it was because John Robinson consistently drafted at least 50% well in almost every single draft and that's important that's not easy to do uh so i i don't know like i i people a lot of people think that everything's going to get better i am skeptical skeptical of that i don't know if that's going to be the case it might don't get me wrong like a GM might come in and he might be, you know, Joe Douglas with the Jets and he's awesome uh, and he drafts really well and he, and he gets the tight ends uh, to a Super Bowl that we all so desperately want. But there's also the possibility that that's not the case. And whoever comes in, if it's Vrabel with more power, if it's an interim, uh, sorry, an, an in-house candidate or it's someone from outside, they might suck. We've seen it before with the Titans. Like, we've seen it with Rustin Webster. Uh, we saw it with, what was his name, Reinfeld? I, I can't even remember his name. Uh, Mike before Reinfeld? Then. Yeah, I think that was it. Like, he had a couple of good drafts, too, but then it was just terrible. We had a lot of really bad ones. So it could go bad, man. And I, I'm not saying that that's going to be the case. I still think the Titans are in a good position because of the drafting that John Robinson did throughout these past couple of years. 
and also because Mike Rabel is still a, a very good head coach uh, and they have a good culture within the organization. But it's uh, it's scary and it's ambiguous because we don't know. We don't we don't know what's going to happen. So, yeah, yeah I, I, let me say I, this. I, I kinda, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is I, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate to my own argument and I'll say, OK, like, again, I, I I wrote something yesterday about things that could be changed immediately, and the the way I opened it was I said, you know, everybody's complaining about the AJ Brown trade, and that at this point that's spilled milk. Like you can't. It, I I understand that you want to redo it, but if you redo it, you don't. You also can't see the negatives that could have happened. Like AJ Brown's already played more snaps for Philadelphia than he did for the Titans all of last year and in the playoffs. So, you know, he's healthier than he's ever been. Whether that would have been the case in Tennessee where they're historically injured, we don't know. So instead of trying also, to say – Sorry ahead. to butt in, but it, did, it made no sense to pay him when you weren't giving him 150 targets every single season because the Titans just wanted to be a run-first team. And I've seen some people say that now that John Robinson is gone, they the Titans could draft like you know a modern NFL team with a modern NFL offense. Asinine. No, he no. said he said yesterday. I say I say before all this happened, I saved this on my phone. There's a clip from the press conference after uh, on Monday morning after the game. He said, uh, I believe that there's a way to win in the NFL. And if you look over the last 25 years, uh, there's a certain way to do it. And he said, I'll remind you what that is. And he said, do teams that win have to run the ball? They have to when they pass, they have to do it uh, efficiently. And then then he went on to other stuff like don't turn the ball over, like all those kind of things. But his first thing is he wants to run the ball like and it's not anytime your mantra is I want to do this. You're a bad coach because you don't you're saying that as a Kyle Shanahan, let's say, doesn't want to run the ball. He also doesn't want to pass the ball. He wants to find where you're weak and he wants to attack it. Sirianni for the Eagles. They ran the ball for 350 yards the week before they played the Titans, and then they didn't run the ball for the majority of, uh, you know, the time that the starters were out there. Like, a good coach does not have that specific mantra where he says, this is the only way to win in the NFL. There's there's a dozen different ways you can win in the NFL, and that it's part of its personnel, part of its your scheme, you know. There's different things that go into it, but if you're going to be so, if you're going to lack so much nuance that you say there's only this many ways to win in the, in the NFL, then you're going to, you are almost certainly doomed to fail. So that, that runs countered what I was about to say earlier, which is let's, let's talk about the ways this move could work, but you are right. Like, you know, I, you know, I, I, I've written articles about it. I, I said on the podcast, I, w- I would have paid AJ whatever. But if AJ doesn't want to be there, if AJ wants to play with his friend, yada, 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 all those points again, that, that is what it is. But if you're not going to use him, you know, if, if he's going to play, if he's going to be hurt, if you think he's going to be hurt, or if you think he's going to play fewer snaps for you, or you think that uh, you're not going to be a team that leans into the pass, then it's hard to get value for him. Like even a team like the Eagles that pass it a lot, you know, like I said, AJ Brown never had more than 60 yards over the past month. Like it it, it was just because they made a concerted effort and he's good and he's gotten yards this year. It's not that he hadn't had big games, but he's not the, he's the one of three players on their offense. You know, he's, he's, it's him Smith who they drafted in the first round and hurts who were accounting for a large portion of their yards. Like, Hurts his legs and having two very high quality receivers and a coordinator who isn't so focused, you know, the teams can't say, well, if we just stop the run, we'll stop them because no, they'll just pass it all over you like they did on the Titans. And the Titans were so baffled that a team that could run the ball well would choose to move the ball in other ways that Mike Vrabel and Shane Bowen and Jim Schwartz or whoever was involved could not come up with a single way to slow them down. But again, let, let, I'm, I'm going to try to put some positivity in here because I th- there is there is a way that this move could work, and I think the way that that move works is 
Cowden, who they promoted as the interim, has been in the NFL for 20 years. You know, he seems young, but he's been in the NFL for two decades now. And he did it uh, with the Titans. I believe he did it under Webster and under uh, Robinson. And then before that, I, I could be getting this wrong. I know he was with the Panthers for, for five years as well. And historically, he's been a part of some pretty good drafts. Like, so if he's taken the good parts from John Robinson's drafts, which are in the fir- in the early rounds, focused on focus on SEC players with multiple years of production who pass certain certain uh, like production and height, weight, speed thresholds, and then in the later rounds do whatever voodoo John Robinson did to continue to find good young players. If if he can take that and then pair it up with maybe try to find some more dynamic guys who test better and who have more upside in that, you know, third, fourth round, like that kind of area, just to see if you can hit on some guys that get passed over, you know, if he can do that and if they can, you know, be more, I don't know if it'd be conservative or aggressive with their own people, but do a better job of making sure they keep all their guys because they they don't, you know, they don't avoid paying their guys. There's, there's a rumor out there or there's a stat out there from Titans Rossi where it said only three play the Titans have only three signed three players, um, to a second contract, which isn't true. Um, it, it's just, it, you know, it's, I think there's five or six players, but the problem with that stat is you don't have to sign players to a second contract until four years after their deal. Isn't, so, isn't the whole point of the draft to get cheap production? Why yeah. does it matter if if you're signing, re-signing them? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. And it's like the, the people that that doesn't apply to are the last four draft classes. So it's like, yeah, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't re-signed Jeffrey Simmons yet because he's still got this year and next year, uh, like, on his deal. Like, you can't even re- you can't even re-sign people at a certain point. Like David Long will be a free agent after the year, this year, and he'll get paid. Like they paid Imani Hooker, so it's like you know it, th- that's how far back this goes. Like those are the people that are eligible for it now. So it's that's a weird stat to throw out there because it really doesn't mean anything. Like it, it's 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 a, it's such a weird stat, and I, I don't I don't know why it's taken off. And it's again, it's not even true because like I, I'm, I'm not I'm not getting into it, but you you can just look at the people they've resigned and blah blah blah, but the point of that is, you know, you can have, like you said, you can churn your roster and say, okay, we we want to be aggressive and we want to go from a team that wins or from that loses in the first round of the playoffs to a team that has a chance at the Super Bowl, so we're gonna let Corey Davis walk. And we're going to trade for Julio Jones because we think that Julio Jones's upside is more than Corey Davis's. And then if they get hurt, that that shouldn't be held against your record for being aggressive. And you also can't be called conservative. So, uh, again, like that, that's that's a whole nother rabbit hole. I just want them to, you know, with these with some of the guys that hits like, okay, like everybody talks about the Jack Conklin thing and the ripple effect that that had. And I, I agree. Like, but those are the same people that at the time said they can't, they can't resign Jack Conklin just because he had one good year because he just tore his ACL. And what if he tears it again? And he was in and out of the lineup, you know, this, that, and the other. And they were also the people that were praising them for not picking up the fifth year option and all this stuff. So it's, it's a lot of people rewriting history, but if that's, you know, the NFL is a pendulum swing. So if that's the way the fans are reacting now, somebody's going to be put in place that's just going to sign everybody back to the roster. So get ready to, you know, and again, I don't mind with this class coming up. I don't mind if you overpay for Nate Davis a little. I don't mind if you overpay for Jeffrey Simmons. I don't mind if you, you know, Amani Hooker was a good deal. Like, I don't mind if you overpay a little for David Long as long as you don't go crazy. Um, But yeah, like keep keep some of those guys in house, and if you do that, okay, you know John Robinson's added enough talent to this team to where if you keep a lot of that in house, you can look good by just re-signing players that you had no hand in drafting. So 
I, I think that's a way that it could work out. And then you can have some weaker draft classes because apparently to this franchise, as long as you hit on first round picks, that's apparently the end all be all of, of whether you're a good GM or not. So, you know, as long as, as long as the new GM hits on first round picks, great, I guess. So we'll, we'll see. And again, I, I have very low expectations for this, but it's not impossible that it could work out simply because the foundation of this team is already strong because of the draft class they just had and some of the guys that are already on the roster. We also haven't talked about the fact that a good amount of offensive players we have to let go because we have to fix the defense because Mike Rabel completely destroyed it. Uh, in 2020, and it had to be addressed personnel-wise through the draft uh, and through free agency. But at at that point, we'll just we'll just end up sounding like a Mike Vrabel hate podcast. So, not going to get into that. Uh, it's for for another time, I guess. Um, I don't I don't know what else we could really talk about in, in terms of this Sean Robinson thing. Like, yeah, he he had a lot of misses. But I just didn't think this was the right move at this time. Uh, maybe in the off season, <laughs> like this just this just ended up coming across as very a very impulsive decision uh, by ownership. And maybe it had it had been cooking for a while, and, and that's fine. Uh, but to do it right after that AJ Brown game, kind of bad optics in my opinion. Like a lot of people are like, oh, it shows that Amy Adams Strunk doesn't care, and if you don't do your job, you're you're fired. I guess. I mean, I guess. Then how is Todd Downing still employed? Someone, someone explain that one to me, because he has the worst offense in the league, and he's still, he's still the offensive coordinator for the team. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> anyway, anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm not gonna get any more frustrated. I don't know if you have any final thoughts on, uh, on the John Robinson thing. Actually, you know what? Let's talk about a little bit about. <laughs> the actual Tennessee Titans season because this happened midseason. We're we're not in the offseason yet. The Titans still have uh, a season to to finish, uh, even though they're coming off two well one brutal loss. The Bengals' loss was was decent. They at least competed. This Eagles' loss was disgusting. They got absolutely destroyed. Um, they got exposed. The offense scored ten points per usual, and the defense couldn't stop anyone. Um. The Titans are still going to make the playoffs. They're going to end up winning the AFC South because no one, the Colts and the Jaguars just have no interest in actually making it uh, any sort of competition. So the Titans are going to be in the playoffs. They're going to host a, a, a playoff game. I think right now they would be playing the the Dolphins. Is that correct? I'm no the Bengals. Oh, because uh, oh, the Dolphins, the Dolphins are the sixth seed and the Jets are the seventh seed. There you go. Okay, so they would probably play against the Dolphins in, in, or Bengals by the time all of this uh, is finished. I could see them losing to both of those teams. I could also see them winning uh, at least a game, but not if they play like they did uh, against the Eagles. So, uh, what do you think for the rest of the season? Like, it, it, have you lost all hope? Because I, I've this has kind of put a damper. I, I. I in the group chat with with you and Luke earlier, um, I had said that right now I feel like I did when the Titans benched Marcus Mariota midseason. I was just so out on that season. I was calling for us to tank and draft Justin Herbert. We were all on, on, on that board, but then Tannehill comes in, absolutely lights it up, uh, saves the season, and stills a lot of hope uh, in the franchise. Uh, I hope I hope the same happens uh, for the rest of this season and into next season. But I, I feel pretty down, especially adding to that just that that loss against the Eagles. Like the Titans just are not a very good team, and I, I don't know if they could do any damage uh, for the rest of this year. Yeah. So in terms of like the rest of the season, like they're gonna they're gonna go to the playoffs, like. They're going to win the AFC South, I, I, barring a miracle. I mean, like, if they beat the Jaguars this week, I believe all they need is for the Jaguars to not win out. Like, that's like that, you know, like the Jaguars, if they if they beat, I, I forget what it is, because I think the magic number is three for both the Titans, uh, where for both the Jaguars and the Colts. Like, they need a combination of three losses from uh, – or three wins from, you know, that group. So 
you know, the Titans already have the two game uh, lead on the Colts in terms of the the head to head matchup. So they have to win an extra game. So basically, as long as those two teams don't win out, then you're in good shape. And even if they do win out, if the Titans can manage to win like three, you know, it, it would be very difficult. So if the Titans win on Sunday, like I said, all they need is to beat the the Texans and they're they're locked into the four seed. Where it gets interesting is let's say that the Titans go on a tear, right? Like who do they play after the Jaguars? Is it the uh, Cowboys? Chargers who might be uh, oh, big, Chargers. the yeah, biggest right. frauds in the entire NFL, to be honest with you. Yeah. And they, they, so they're traveling. It's going to be a three o'clock game. So they like, okay, let's say the Titans beat the Jaguars because that's all this Titans team's team knows. And the Jaguars are coming off of a beat down of their own. And like, you know, they finally thought they had hope and then they got kind of kicked back down. Jaguars come to Tennessee, you know, same thing happens. It always happens. And the Titans win. Then the Titans beat uh, the chargers in LA in a close game where Herbert throws a bunch of short passes and the Titans bottle up Eckler Yada, yada, yada. At that point, they've made the playoffs. If they would just, and this has not worked for them in the past, but if they would just rest Jeffrey Simmons and rest Nico Autry and rest rest the majority of their starters, I, I would even go so far as to say rest Tannehill. I mean, like, I, I, he's got he's got his ankle injury, like, maybe play him some or whatever, but, like, he wasn't 100% in that game against uh, Philadelphia, but the only time the offense moved is when he tucked it and ran on third down or when he saw green gra- grass and ran in front of him because uh, when once Traylon Burks got hurt, that was the only way the offense moved. Otherwise, it was Derrick Henry running for one yard and then a sack and then a, a punt two plays later. Like, so that that's what I would do. And then I would just say, like, okay, like, in the middle of this, let's – now, this is, this is if I was – coach and if I was making decisions or whatever which I'm obviously not but then at that point you say okay great daily you're out we're gonna try three other people at left tackle if you still are somehow the best option we have then that's what we're gonna go into the playoffs with otherwise get ready to be on the bench until you're done with the Titans and you're gone this offseason so in that regard if you say you basically get three bye weeks to play around and heal up and all that kind of stuff I'm slightly more optimistic about what the Titans can do because we're not that far removed from them going to Green Bay and putting up a bunch of points on uh, on the Packers defense that's a pretty solid unit and then, you know, looking smooth despite Derrick Henry not being able to do anything on the ground and despite being put in weird situations. Like, they, they managed to handle that game and do well there. So... <sighs> If you do that and then you have your defense back the way it looked in the middle of the season or the beginning of the season because, you know, you've got Ola and Bud Dupree's healthy and Autry's back and Simmons isn't hobbled playing on one ankle and David Long can play and Christian Fulton's healthy again and Elijah Mould. Like, if you get that group back and they play well and you've got an offense that can all of a sudden put up 20 or 27 points you know, now that they have Traylon Burks and Kyle Phillips and know that Sugar Conquo is a big play guy, like if that happens, yes, I'm, I'm optimistic about what they can do in the playoffs, but it's going to be hard because it, you know, the wildcard teams this year in the AFC look outstanding. Like the Bengals are terrifying. Like hopefully you play the Ravens who have a bum, you know, a bum Lamar Jackson and you can bottle him up and, beat him up or the Jets somehow move up. But if you have to play Miami, that's also trouble. Um, I mean, although we don't really know how Miami will translate to the cold weather and all that kind of stuff. But regardless, like they did almost beat the chiefs, like the in arrowhead in a primetime game. Like that wasn't that long ago. And they did, you know, if not for a stupid roughing the long snapper penalty, it would have been a seven point game with, Ryan Tannehill in a hurry up offense, which he's always done well with. And if they go down and they score and they go for two and get it, I mean, they, they win that game. And the last time they went, no huddle, they moved all the way down the field before Shudak missed the, the field goal. So, I mean, 
we we're not it's not a hard stretch to imagine a world where the Titans do beat the Chiefs and uh the Bengals but they didn't and they did they they got absolutely stomped out by the Eagles so it feels like it's so far away to for them to be a good team but I mean in 2019 they weren't a good team and they they went on a run so I, I just I, I don't know but I don't think what they needed in the middle of this, you know, journey to find themselves that they're about to go through. I don't think what they needed is a massive distraction, like a general manager getting fired and now a clear power struggle that basically gave Mike Vrabel unlimited power in the middle of the season. I think that's not going to be good. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering how the players are going to react to to John Robinson's firing, but because I do feel like he had a pretty good relationship with almost all of them. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if, if they're affected in any way. I know Mike Rabel's a player's coach, but he's got a pretty big ego. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't know I mean, if he's going to be. Uh, he, w- he wasn't that much of a player's coach to A.J. Brown, who was basically like, <laughs> he's no fun to play with. Like, I, I did not enjoy playing with him. Like, I mean, we'll, we'll see what kind of, you know, we'll see, yeah. but it, it is it is interesting. Yeah, all I'll say um, is if the Titans go into the playoffs and play any of the Bengals, Dolphins, uh, and or Jets, and they expect to just run the ball with Derrick Henry 20 times, just go home. Just, just stop. Just there, There's no point in even showing up because it's not going to work. Every single defense at this point is keying on Derrick Henry, and although in the past Derrick Henry has done a really good job of getting – churning out yards against stacked boxes, it's not happening this season. And this offensive line is really bad uh, at run blocking. So hopefully that's not the plan uh, in the playoffs. But with Todd Downing and Mike Vrabel, anything is possible offensively. You can never hit hit a low uh, uh, with this offensive coaching staff. But we'll see. Um, Do do you have a stop to nonsense? I actually didn't bring one. No, I, I don't. My stop the nonsense yeah. is every fan who thinks this is going to be right. very smooth. Like my stop the nonsense is the people who uh, are coming out and saying like, it, it, I basically said it earlier with the fans who are like, well, this is you know, this is Amy Adams drunk. She's really showing. She's not putting up with mediocrity. That's not what happened. She just got punked out by Eagles fans and got embarrassed. And Mike Vrabel uh, is. He's not Littlefinger because he does. He's he's a, a, a seemingly a good guy who, you know, uh, understands how to make an NFL locker room work, if nothing else. But it, he he used that opportunity, and I'm not again. I I don't think he threw through the game or anything like that. I do think it's weird that it was the first time all season that they went straight man coverage and left Roger McCreary on. Uh, Smith and put Fulton with kind of a bum hamstring on AJ Brown with no, no real like clear. Okay. We're just going to match this double coverage every play. And I get that you can't because Hertz is a mobile quarterback and all that. I don't know. I I think once the identity became pretty clear that that's the way they wanted to attack you, I think a a good defensive coordinator could have changed that. But look, yeah, my, my, my stop the nonsense is, is anybody who thinks that this is, a purely Amy Adams drunk driven thing where she just decided that, you know, enough is enough and that only excellence will be accepted despite the fact that she also stood on the table for Mike, uh, Mike Malarkey to be hired as interim uh, head coach when he was here earlier, but whatever. Yeah. uh, Interesting times, fascinating times to say the least uh, with the Titans organization. I'm intrigued to see, how they come out of it if if they end up end up doing better or doing worse uh i don't think this season will be the barometer uh next season we can start to to judge them pretty harshly and and see if see if it ends up working out i will say obviously the timing mid-season it, it was weird to fire to fire him um but it's weird that fans are like cheering for this when the Titans had a really good draft this offseason so I don't know it, it's all uh it's all it's all very interesting to me but um we'll see what happens first and foremost the Titans have to play the Jaguars and finish out this season uh it's not over uh the, the GM is gone but the season still has to go on 
uh, and we still have to root for the Titans and hope that they can go on a run and, and outperform their expectations for the rest of the year. So uh, let's hope that happens. Uh, for Matias, for Will, thank you for tuning in, and remember to always stop the nonsense. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.